You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Across the table, relationships that stretch us. We've been dealing with this stretch theme the whole year, stretching our faith, growing, stretching, and we've been developing this every month. And uh, this month, we're dealing with the relational aspect of that. Uh, all of us have close, intimate relationships, people that are, we are at least in close proximity with uh, that stretch us. And sometimes those relationships, they stretch us in bad ways. Sometimes they stretch us in good ways. And we would like our relationships to pull us forward and stretch us to grow. Um, so that's what we're talking about today. Uh, my name is Donnie. I get to work in student ministry around here, uh, and then I also get to be up here on Sunday mornings and do this sometimes. So uh, it's awesome to be here with you guys this morning and to deal with a subject that really is a privilege to talk about uh, because it's such a a noble subject uh, in Scripture, and I believe it to be true as well. Uh, The relationship uh, that we're going to talk about that is a stretching relationship, whether you're single or young, old, married, not married, marriage is a very important and noble uh, and deep thought concept idea in our whole culture. It certainly is in scripture. And so we're going to talk about this idea of a power couple this morning. How many guys ever heard the term power couple? You ever heard the term power couple? Okay, so some of you have. Maybe some of you have not heard the term power couple, uh, but the term power couple is kind of denotes this, you know, this concept of a married couple that for some reason, for some reason, they have a ton of influence on the people around them, and it could be because of what they do for a living, it could be because of, of some event that's put them in the spotlight, it could be because of noble birth, it could be because of celebrity and fame, who knows what it is, but uh, American culture is obsessed with certain power couples, and I don't know if you've noticed this in reading, watching TV, uh, checking out news on your, on your phone, uh, there are certain couples that we just cannot get enough of as a culture, and uh, so I don't know what couples come to your mind when you think American culture power couples, um, just see if you can get in your mind, couples that you're always seeing, talked about in the media, you're always seeing them in the news, and you're always seeing them in magazine covers, just see if you can think of a couple uh, that you're always hearing talked about and why they are a power couple. And uh, I've got some pictures here, and I don't know if these were the couples that, or some of the couples that popped into your mind, um, but obviously, one of the obvious ones, first slide, why don't you go ahead and throw that up. Obviously, usually, uh, the way the United States is, usually our president and his wife are very influential people. Both of them tend to be in the limelight. Both of them get a lot of media attention, and people go to them to hear them say things and give advice and, and all of that stuff. So definitely in this country, the president and his wife First Lady are always Flotus and POTUS. You guys ever heard those terms? Um, so yeah, these guys are usually a power couple in our country. Another one, uh, diff- totally different walk of life. Uh, we as Americans seem to be obsessed with celebrities, and so we can't get enough of them, and for some reason we care what they think on every subject, uh, even though they mostly play people uh, that aren't real people for a living. Um, but we love them, we love to write about them, we love to ask them questions and find out more about them. Uh, other power couple, uh, very different, world of business, really, I would say, uh, is where this power couple came from, successful in business and perceived as successful in life and a lot of wealth, a lot of influence and uh, fund a ton of charities, things like that. So people are always wondering what they think about things and and they have a lot of influence. Um, Again, another, just some other ones we threw up. Um, I was just thinking like, you know, he just looks good because he has like the white hair going on. It looks pretty good on him, right? Right? That works well, right? Looks looks good. Okay, uh, so uh, he just needs a beard, and he's all set, 
right? He needs to go back to the beard. Um, and honestly, it's so funny. Like, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of this, but when I saw that, I was like, who is that again? Her? I, I don't even know. Who is that? What? Okay, that was really a test for you to see who's really into the. No, I'm just kidding. I just had forgotten. You know, I just, you know, I'm getting old. I don't keep up with all this stuff anymore, you know? Uh, so, yeah, you know, George is looking pretty. Uh, the, the, the white hair looks good on him, doesn't it? White hair ain't so bad, is it? <laughs> he's, he's wearing it pretty well. Now, I, I think she's probably got some white hair hiding in there, too. She just coloring hers, right? All right, so we, I think we got, we got an, another one, right? Like, have we had enough of that? Um, probably. <laughs> but if, whether you've had enough or not, it's still going, right? It's still happening. Better get used to it. So, Brennan, is that the last one? Or Sarah's back there now. You guys pulled a switch on me. Uh, oh, yeah, we got another. Of course, the royal couple. I, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand if you're obsessed with this soap opera, but I know there have to be a bunch of people in here. You're just, you can't help yourself. You're obsessed with this. Uh, <laughs> I, I have all kinds of funny comments I can make about this, but it's really, that's not why I'm up here, is <laughs> to, give, to, give, to give my editorial and all this stuff, but I, I just think those guys are hilarious. Uh, it's, it's awesome. So uh, is that it? Is that the last power couple we have? They're like a world power couple, by the way, if you think about it. Uh, maybe they transcend. Uh, them and the Obamas probably like international influence, uh, which is crazy. Is that the last one, Sarah, last power couple? Uh, you might have had some other ones in your, in your mind that you were, you were thinking of, but there's one more. That really, when you talk about a true power couple, there's one more that really is, that transcends all of these. It's way beyond any of the couples you've seen before. Um, and, and of course, let's unveil the, the real, now that's a power couple <laughs> right there. <laughs> now, a couple things real quick that you have to notice about this picture. First of all, do you notice what era we chose to select this picture out of? <laughs> <laughs> because that's just more fun, right, to look at. Now, if you're new and you don't know who these people are, uh, this is the lead pastor of our church, Bill Ellis, and his wife, Teresa, and their two daughters. And, of course, this wasn't taken last week. <laughs> so It's a little while back, thus the awesome stash, right? You guys need to be Facebook messaging him and emailing him and saying, bring the stash. Hashtag, bring back the stash, right? <laughs> Uh, that, should be the, that should be the hashtag for our, for our, our series is bring back the stash. But uh, yeah, like Bill and Teresa, I love it. We have so many old incriminating pictures of them. And uh, you got... He's <laughs> got it. Well done, well done. By the way, he didn't know. He didn't know. Like we hid this from him. I, I, in the notes, I like deleted that part for him so he wouldn't know we were, we were making fun of them this morning. But uh, we are making fun of them. But yeah, what, it brings up the question... What is a true power couple? And that's the question we're going to try to answer out of the scriptures this morning. And let me just emphasize, out of the scriptures, out of the scriptures, we could say a lot of stuff and do a lot of stuff this morning and talk about a lot of great concepts when it comes to marriage and just life. But the reason we're a church and the reason we have this time this morning is this is about the scriptures. This is where we look for truth. We go after the scriptures to try to understand God's heart on a hugely important subject, a relationship that stretches all of us, whether you're married or not married, whether you're a kid or you're adult or you're divorced or widowed, marriage affects, the state of marriage affects all of us, right? And it's a huge biblical topic for us to be able to look at scripture and try to understand. So as followers of Jesus, when we're talking about marriage, when we're thinking about marriage, we go to the scriptures first, 
to try to find guidance to understand what marriage should look like, what it should be, and how marriage should go, all right? So I, I, I feel like it's really important to emphasize that as we dive into this, this power couple thing. And, you know, I wonder for you, you know, what, what power couple has been influential in your life? And we, we talk about that question, what makes a true power couple? Think back over your whole life, starting from when you were a kid all the way up till now. Who are the power couples that influenced you the most? Couples. As a team together, they helped your life. And maybe you wouldn't be where you are today if it wasn't for this couple. And, you know, maybe it's your parents, aunts, uncles, family, friends. Who was it for you that mentored you, that poured into you, that loved you, and exemplified what a godly marriage looked like and helped impart to you the love of Jesus? And I'd encourage you, man, send a text right in the middle of this message. Send a, a Facebook message right in the middle of this message and just thank them for being such an awesome influence in your life because so important. So I want to start off with, I want to dig right in here. Let's get deep uh, quick. And this is a deep one. You talk about marriage, it's a deep one in a lot of ways. Uh, I want to start off and set the tone for today by saying that Hebrews 13.4, I think is a great tone setter. And on the screen, it says, the first part of Hebrews 13.4 says, marriage should be honored by all. And that means just what it says it means. Marriage should be honored, esteemed, valued by all people, no matter what your stage of life, no matter you know, where you are, how old you are. Marriage should be something that we all are fans of, that we all support, that we all encourage, that we all esteem and lift up as an honorable thing. And this is what the scriptures say. And, and something to be noted in Hebrews 13.4 is, is that you read through that, the language that the author of Hebrews uses to describe that whole Hebrews 13.4 concept of marriage being honored by all actually smacks of Old Testament um, tabernacle, Old Testament, uh, sacrificial system. There's all this, all this language about sacredness and holiness, and this is sacred, this is holy, this should be set apart. And it really is, is grammatically speaking, in the, in the kind of words that they use in the original language there, kind of weirdly smacks of this Old Testament holy sacrificial system, which kind of puts marriage on par with a sacredness and a holiness that God has instituted. That language is not used by mistake. The author is trying to communicate that marriage is something that God thought up. This is his idea, and it is sacred, and it is holy, and it should be treated as sacred and as holy by his people. By the ones who claim to follow him, marriage should be treated as holy and sacred and should not uh, be disparaged or broken. And so the thought there is that marriage should be honored by followers of Jesus in all life stages and situations. So when you heard marriage this morning, maybe you're thinking, okay, I can go to sleep, I can uh, lay down, or I can play games on my phone, I can get up and leave and go to Starbucks or go to a different church. So I'm talking about marriage this morning. This is for everybody, okay? This is not just for married couples. If you're a kid, this is for you this morning. If you're single, you need to hear this. These scriptures apply to all of us. So it doesn't matter who you are, you're not allowed to tune out. If I see you tuning out, I don't have anything to throw. I do have, I can't throw communion at you. There's communion up here. <laughs> that, would, that would be so wrong if I threw communion. I'm not above it. Um, so uh, we all need to tune in, uh, whether you're young, old, single, widowed, divorced. And I know even hearing the topic of marriage for some of you may just kind of hit some, some painful strings in your life. And you're like, man, I, 
gosh, I really just didn't want to think about this this morning, but hopefully by the end of the day, this will be something that, that God's able to, to work on your life a little bit and, and get you somewhere, bring you somewhere. First of all, let me say under this first thought, I'm going to try to get through these. There's so many good things here. First of all, let me just say marriage is awesome. And this is for you guys who are teenagers, uh, if you are college students, if you are single, marriage is awesome. And one of the things that's just stupid about culture in general is that there's this idea, you see it in commercial, whatever, that all oh, marriage getting shackled. You know, your freedom's over now. You know, this this whole idea of, oh boy, you know. Marriage is awesome. You know, I don't know. I'm just not seeing that whole side of it, you know. And I've been a part of a lot of, you know, had a lot of friends and I have my own goofy story growing up or whatever. But I just want to tell you guys who aren't married and maybe you're, you're hearing some of that and you're getting some of that and you're kind of afraid of marriage or marriage sounds like a downer to you. Marriage, when done God's way with the right person, is awesome. There's nothing better, man. Yeah, thank you. It's a partnership. It's teamwork. It's companionship. It's someone to share life with, and it's ministry together. And uh, it's an investment that is more and more valuable with every passing year. Yeah, it's hard work. I mean, everything that means something is hard work. Yes, it can be difficult at times. And yes, there are taxing years and months and seasons. But ultimately, this thing that God came up with, it works. And it's awesome. And so at least hear one voice, and I know there are many other voices that would say, man, marriage is great, so don't let the culture talk you out of, of marriage being awesome. Yeah. Yep. Now, let me get awkward here, and there's really no other way to deal with this, but I feel like our culture's talking about it so much, so I'm just going to dive in and just make a couple comments about it. All of this buzz and discussion and debate about same-sex marriage in our culture. You can't read a magazine. You can't go online without, you know, there's just so much. Our culture is engaging this on a very deep level. And there are so many conversations happening at workplaces, happening in schools. Uh, There's all kinds of talk about this. And I just want to pause for a second. We're talking about marriage should be honored by all. In the context of of a church and in the context of Riverside Community Church, uh, we do believe that part of honoring marriage is that God's design and his idea is marriage between a man and a woman. Um, And and we believe that. The... the, uh, the denomination that we are connected to, the Assemblies of God, believes that. Um, and, and here's the deal. I think there's this idea floating around in the culture. Maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're kind of like really listening right now because you're deciding whether you're going to stay here or not based on how I handle this subject. And that's fine. I think that one of the things that's gone wrong with this conversation is it's become about anger. And it's become about hate and intolerance and these very sharp lines have been drawn. And the only thing I want to say to that is that yes, Riverside and yes, uh, the denomination we belong to and many Christian churches do believe that same-sex marriage is not God's desire or his design. But that is not birthed from a place of anger. It is not birthed from a place of intolerance. It is not birthed from a desire to scrap and fight and reject. Um, This is, again, most followers of Jesus I know, this is birthed from a desire just to be faithful to what we believe God's word teaches. So we're on this journey to figure out what God teaches us in scripture and what he wants. And we're just doing the best that we can to try to follow that. And so it's not about rejecting people or, or being angry and not wanting certain people to be around. It's about pursuing what we really just believe with all of our heart is is what God wants. And so I, yeah, so 
I would encourage you that if you want to talk about that with somebody, talk about it. Don't just let it be something from the, the platform that ends up being the end. Go find someone and, and really get into a discussion that's, that's an honest look at it. And study the scriptures for yourself. And talk to Jesus for yourself, you know. Um, and, and let me just say something else, too. You know, we do a lot of weddings at, at, at Riverside, and we counsel a lot of young couples who are getting married and couples who are getting remarried. There's all kinds of stuff that we're dealing with on a weekly basis. And, and there are more and more couples that are choosing to live together. And we believe that um, God's design is for marriage to be a commitment. And we believe that um, when couples choose to live together outside of a marriage bond, that really they're pursuing all of the benefits of marriage without the commitment. And so that's why we encourage couples not to do that, because we don't think it's biblical and we don't think it's scriptural. Uh, so there, those are just a couple of hot button issues that I, I think it's just important we talk about that stuff. And, you know, I would encourage you before you walk out of here and maybe you're like upset or whatever, talk with one of us. Let, let's, let's chat about it and, and get a healthy conversation going. So let's look at now a power couple in scripture that really just shows us a, a full and realistic picture of what a power couple looks like. And that's Abraham and Sarah. Genesis chapter 12. Um, and we'll have, I, I'm kind of going through and nitpicking scriptures out of their story here so you can follow along or you can just watch the screen. Genesis 12, 2, God looks at his, his awesome servant Abraham and he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we see that as being something that's attributed to Abraham all the time. But you have to read the whole story. It's not just Abraham's story. He had a wife, pretty awesome wife. And uh, so Genesis 17 shows her part in it, and it's the same language. Genesis 17, 15. Then God said to Abraham regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will no longer be called Sarah. From now on, her name will be called Sarah, which means princess. And uh, so if your name's Sarah, you're a princess. Um, in verse 16, he says, I will bless her, give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly. She will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. He's addressing a couple and saying, I had this huge, awesome plan to bless everyone, to bless the nations. I want to bless people, and I want to use your marriage to do it. I want to use you as a couple, as a power couple, to have influence in the world and throughout generations. So pretty awesome thought there that God wants your marriage and the marriages around you. He wants your marriage and the marriages around you to be a blessing to others. And I've invented a word for this morning to help us remember this. I looked on the internet, couldn't find it anywhere. So I, th I, th I, think, I think I've invented this word. I'm pretty proud of it. He wants you to have a maristry, right? And Dave Longstreth just heard George Bush's voice when I said that. And so he's doing this imitation in Oakmont of a, a maristry. I can't do impressions very good. Um, but it's a maristry. He wants you to be a blessing to others. He wants your marriage to be a ministry. Marriage is just not about you two sitting at tables having candlelight dinners together and having a nice house and building a big savings account. Marriage is about ministry. The reason that he chose Abraham and Sarah was to be a blessing to the nations. Marriage is a vehicle and a tool that God wants to use to do his work in this world. And uniquely, we all, no matter what our stage of life, have unique uh, things that he wants to use to touch the world. Marriage offers a unique set of things that God can use to touch and bless the world and do his work. And so he wants you to have a ministry, a ministry partnership. If you're married here, if you're planning on getting married, you're a team. 
You handle life as a team. You influence people as a team. It's not like, oh, I have my career. My. It's all one big thing. You are one person, you are one flesh, and you have one ministry toward the world that God wants to use. As you do your separate things and together things, ultimately it's one awesome ministry. And he wanted Abraham and Sarah to have an awesome ministry. And that ministry starts in concentric circles in your home and goes out from there. It starts with your kids. It starts with the people living in your house. Your first ministry, your first ministry is for and to your children. Showing them of love of Jesus, teaching them, man, we need to teach our kids. We can't farm this out to a church. We can't farm this out to youth groups. We can't farm this out to kids' ministries. You as mom and dad together teach and model and demonstrate and show what it is to know Jesus, what it is to love Jesus, what it is to follow Jesus. That's where kids get it. Man, you know how many kids we talk to in student ministry? We talk about influence, mom and dad. Boom, first thing out of their, out of the, out of their minds. Mom and dad, they're the picture. That's where I received it from. And all of what we do in student ministry and kids' ministries, hopefully we are solidifying and partnering with you to try to do, help them become followers of Jesus. So, and then it goes out from there. You know, it's your neighborhood. It's your workplace. It's other couples that you influence. It's younger couples. It's older couples. It's your parents, if you're married couples, your parents. And concentric circles going out from your marriage, it is a blessing and a ministry to all of them. So, for you guys who are sitting here like, okay, I'm a teenager, I'm single, I'm a college student, that's boring. They need you. We need you. If you're single, if you're a kid, we need you. Because we can't do ministry as a married couple without the incredible support of the people around us because marriage is hard work. Marriage is difficult. And so we need your prayers. We need your blessing. We need your encouragement. We need you to fuel health in marriage. And so maybe a question you've never asked yourself as a single person or a teenager or a college student, maybe you've never asked yourself this question, how can I feed and help and support the marriages that are closest to me? How can I help my parents have a better marriage? How can I help the people around me have a better, how can I support my friends who are married and pour into their lives and encourage them so that they're awesome and have success and great influence? So, Genesis 17, 17. This is their reaction. Genesis 17, 18. This is Abraham and Sarah's reaction to God's desire and his plan for their lives, all right? Hopefully this is not our, our, our reaction. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah bear a child at the age of, of 90? So he laughed. God's like, I want to make you a blessing to the nations. He's like, Pfft. As he bows, you know, he's like, okay, whatever. Cool, cool, God. Like, he bows down, but he's laughing to himself, right? He's like, there's no way, right? And then Sarah, you know, you can tell why they were together. You know, they, they must have two peas in a pod, because look at Sarah in Genesis 18. So, uh, she laughed, right? Because uh, she overhears him talking uh, and, and God's plan, and she's laughing to herself. God knows everything. He sees everything. And this is a great little interaction. Maybe you won't think this is funny. I, I think it's funny. Sarah was afraid, right? Because God's like, what you, you know, what are you laughing at? And she says, Sarah's afraid, so she lies to him. <laughs> right? Like, okay, she's obviously not thinking, right? You can't lie to God. It doesn't make any sense. She lied and says, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> and I imagine there was this awkward silence where they're just looking at each other. You know, and he doesn't say anything about it again. And she doesn't say anything about it again. It's just kind of like, okay, you know. So it's just so funny. But that's their response. Like that's their response to God's plan. 
You know, really? Like, this is, God, you're going to do this with us? And so the thought there is that God's plans for your ministry are way bigger than you can imagine. He wanted to use, he did use their ministry to bless the nations. And again, whether you're married or not, this is an important concept. I mean, can you grasp what God wants to do through the power couples around you, through the couples around you? Can you grasp the huge plan of influence that he has? I don't think we can, right? So we have to trust him. He wanted to bless the nations. I mean, if you think about that, it is kind of laughable from a human perspective. You're like, the nations? Us? Like, how? I don't get it, right? Then you read the Bible. And they were. Crazy. The Savior comes out of this lineage of the world. Forgiveness of sin. God's ultimate plan for restoring people to himself. This marriage was a piece of that. God has a huge plan for your ministry, not just for your marriage, the sitting there, candlelight, like us, us, us. He has a plan for your ministry to influence the world. And for you guys that are considering getting married, huge concept there. Genesis 12, uh, verse 11, um, some mistakes were made. If you read the story of Abraham and Sarah, we're not going to go into all of them. I'm just going to highlight a couple of the big ones. Like, oh, yeah, Abraham and Sarah, they're so awesome. We can never be like them. They're godly, awesome power couple. We're just us, right? Check these guys out. Genesis 12, 11, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, look, you are a very beautiful woman. You're like, oh, that's nice. See, they are a great couple. The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, or, or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm skipping ahead. That's the biggest mistake. Verse 12, we ain't getting there yet. That's like the crown jewel on them all. Verse 12, the Egyptians will see you. They will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. He pawns his wife off as his sister. Like, you think you got issues in your marriage, man. Like, that's weird. Um, and, and he does this. And it, you read the story like it actually happens. Like, he gives her away. And the king takes her. And wow. You, I mean, a lot of you guys are probably like, dude, I'm done. Um, this thing's over. Like, that's crazy, right? So huge mistake. And Abraham, I think of him as being a smart guy. I really do. Like, I think of being old and wise, probably a white beard, and uh, being this really, really awesome guy. But in moments like that, you're like, really, dude? Like, did, well, shouldn't you have pulled someone aside and be like, hey, you think this is a good plan? And someone would be like, no, that's not a good plan. It's really stupid. But he did it. And then Genesis 20, Abraham, again, he does it again. Uh, he goes, there's another situation where they're traveling through this different land. There Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, she's my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. So he does it twice. Talk about making dumb mistakes. And aren't those the most annoying ones in marriage, the ones that you just can't stop making them over and over and over and over again, right? But now the biggest mistake of all, the biggest mistake of all, Genesis 16. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had, no, uh, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham says, no way, man, you only. No. He was like, okay. That's another one of those moments where I think like, I hear Abraham actually talking like that. Like, I think it sounded like that. Okay. You know, and he, and there's no debate. He's just like, all right. And he goes and does it. You're like, Abraham, what are you doing? Sarah, what are you doing? You guys like, Bring it in, guys. Bring it in. And these guys are like, they're like 90, all right? So, you know, I don't know. You'd think they'd know better. So they do this. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, uh, his wife took her Egyptian slave, hey, uh, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her uh, to her husband to be his wife. And you just look at that, and you're thinking, man, how can a marriage survive all that? 
How can a marriage survive all that? And those are just a few of the mistakes. Wouldn't that be the end for a lot of people? And somehow, some way, through it all, they stuck it out, they got through those tough times, they made it, they survived, and the, the thought I want to pull out of that is that mistakes don't have to be the end of your, your ministry. They don't have to be the end of your marriage or your ministry. Are they difficult? Yes. But I just want to say here, just fight for it. Fight for your marriage. It's worth it. Fight as hard as you can. Fight for your marriage as hard as Jesus has fought for your marriage. Fight for your marriage as hard as Jesus has fought for you. Because you want to be able to stand before God someday. And I'm married. I grew up in a divorced home. I realize what I'm saying here. Someday you want to stand before Jesus and say, I did, man, I gave it my all. You don't want to stand there and say, I held this much back. You don't want to have any regrets. And I know marriage is difficult. And I know life gets really complicated and painful and difficult. I'm just saying, think about it before you throw in the towel. And think about the ramifications for God's plan through you. Think about the ramifications for the people who just need you. There are people who need you guys, need you to love each other, need you to hang in there, need you to fight through it. And there's help for you. There's so many people rooting for you, wanting you to succeed and wanting you to do well. And so hang in there and fight for it. And you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you to endure situations that are abusive and all of that. I, I understand this is complicated, but, I, but I'll say this to kind of tie a ribbon on that. At least sit down with some incredibly godly people in your life and talk about it with them. And get some other people to, to have eyes on this marriage and give you some great counsel and to encourage you. Get some people in your life. Get Christian community, your small group, and people you, that mentor you to, to f- give you input before you just throw in the towel and call it quits. Because it's so hard to see clearly when you're in the middle of a difficult situation. It's so hard to evaluate clearly. Get some people to help you. So the last, uh, last scripture I want to end with here, Hebrews 11, verse 8. It's all over. Their lives, Abraham and Sarah's lives, have ended, been ended for a long time. This is what the author of Hebrews says about them. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So from this one man, and as good, he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And that's how history looks back on Abraham and Sarah through all the good stuff and the bad stuff. That's their legacy. A legacy of faith that blessed everybody. The biggest fruit of your ministry will come long after you are gone. The biggest fruit of your faithfulness to each other and your love outpoured on behalf of Jesus to the world around you will be seen by your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and the fruit of that, and they may even forget who you are, but the fruit will still be there. And the lasting difference will still be there. So we keep going despite not always being able to see the fruits of our labors now, we hang in there. So the thing is, pursue and support maristry. That is it. That's this morning. Pursue it. If you're not married, and you're sitting here and you're thinking about it, think about it. Because it's not just, just this picket fence, 
you know, internal inward thing. If you're, if you're dating, if you're, if you're looking for a husband or wife, think about this. Think about, if you're dating right now, is this a person that you can do ministry with for the rest of your life? A person that you want to side by side, shoulder to shoulder, go out and tackle the darkness in the world together? Are you a good team? Think about ministry. And you know, I don't hear this talked about a ton. I hear a lot about having a healthy inward thing, which is all important. There's a ton of resources on that. But this is God's blessing to the world that he wants to, to pour out through you. Think about it. So that's what makes a, a power couple a power couple is ministry. And honestly, you look at the Bible, ministry, uh, ministry, you look at all these subjects, marriage is a picture of the relationship between Jesus and his church. It's teamwork. He wants to work with us by the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world and advance his purposes in the world and love on people. And man, he sealed that by dying on the cross for our sin. That was the seal of this beautiful marriage between us as the bride of Christ and Jesus himself, who's the, the architect of it all. Maristry is built through Jesus. It's built on Jesus. And let me just tell you, I could sit here and talk about this all day. If it wasn't for Jesus, the cornerstone in my marriage, Shelly and I, I mean, he's everything. He always has been. You change so much. You've got to have Jesus in the center of this marriage, in the center of your relationship. If you're headed towards marriage, if you're dating, Jesus has to be in it, through it, about it, everything. It has to be all about Jesus and all about serving him and all about loving him. That's the hope for the future. That's the hope that it will last. That's the hope that you can actually be a blessing to the nations. So if you're here and you're a newlywed, do you have a ministry? Or are you just hanging out building your life, building your power couple life, building your, your internal life and trying to have a good house and good jobs? But what ministry are you doing together? How are you touching the world around you? If you're an oldly wed, what's your ministry? You know, there's a lot of older people. And they, oh, our kids are out of the house. We did our church stuff. We're done. Our kids are graduated. It's time for us to enjoy. I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. There are a lot of people that need you. Get off the bench and get in ministry. You have so much. I need you. My wife needs you. Kids need you. Other younger couples desperately need you. Get off the bench and figure out what you're supposed to do in ministry together. Figure out what the next season of your life looks like in ministry. If you're here today and and, uh, you're widowed, you think that doesn't make you count as an influence? Your years of wisdom, the pain that you've been through, the things that you've experienced, you can be one of the biggest supporters of healthy marriage in the church and in the community. If you're here and you're single, I told you, we need you. And the biggest thing you can do if you're single and you are planning on getting married is be sober and have a clear mind as you walk into the next season of your life. And um, if you're divorced, and let me just say, I come from a divorced home and I lived with my dad, single parent. I know that it's brutally painful, but I'll say this about my dad, he never gave up. He made a lot of mistakes and he was the walking wounded for a while but he never gave up. And I watched him day after day pursue what God had for him next. And God always has a plan for your future. It does not matter what is in the past, right? All the brokenness and all the junk, Jesus never is befuddled. He's never like, hmm, I'm not sure what I can do with that. Jesus always has a plan for your future. What is the plan for your future? Where do you go from here? Get in community, seek Jesus. He has a plan for you. Even though you're hurting, even though you're wounded and you've got lots of baggage from your past, God has a plan for you and he wants to use you if you're divorced. This shouldn't be something that's just a big downer for you. There's healing and there's hope for you if you've been through some difficult things in your past. 
So the question, how are you pursuing and how are you supporting ministry as you sit here this morning? And do you have a ministry as a couple? So I'm going to ask uh, Mike Evans to come up and he's going to lead us in our response and communion and worship and the worship team, you guys can come up as well. And uh, can we just give it up for Mike Evans? He just got married. And I, I got to help with it. I was up there on the platform helping out. And, you know, I'll say this too, you know, having uh, Mike come up here and uh, his wife, Lauren, so crazy to say that. Like I can say, here's an example of a young couple that is uh, doing ministry together. They have a ministry, and I'm excited about that. What a great example of starting off their marriage, uh, pushing forward and, and tackling what God has for them to bless the world around them. Both of them are doing that. Applaud you for that. And an example of people who have been married for 29 years. Is that right? Mike and Denise, stand up in the back. 29 years today. And... <laughs> I'm not going to call you oldlyweds, but we got newlyweds and we got, they've been doing it for a while back there. Two awesome examples of what it means to pour out your lives in ministry together, hand in hand as a couple. The mills would not be what it is on Sunday mornings without this awesome couple serving together every single week together. Um, thank you guys so much. Awesome examples. And so Mike's going to lead us uh, in communion this morning and uh, tie this all together. Um, we're going we're to take communion. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray. And I hope there's something that you can say to Jesus. What is the next step for you? What can you talk to Jesus about regarding what you've heard out of his word this morning? Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www dot riversideconnect.com